You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Salt Lake Dirt. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Today on the show, I get to talk with writer Eric Tarloff. Eric is the author of the national bestseller FaceTime, also the man who wrote the book, and All Our Yesterdays. His early work was writing primarily for the screen. This includes an early draft of Disney's animated Aladdin and Car 54 Where Are You for Orion Pictures. Uh, that was a remake of the old TV show. I actually really love this movie. I remember watching it when I was younger. Uh, I was a fan of the TV show as a kid, and then I thought the movie was awesome as well. His TV work, uh, which he did a ton of, he wrote episodes of MASH, All in the Family, The Bob Newhart Show, The Jeffersons, Alice, and many others. Uh, he's written pro bono speeches for Al Gore and former President Clinton. That's just some of the work he's done. He's had a very prolific career. Um, he could have his own podcast. I first heard about him in 2019 when his book, The Woman in Black, came out on Rare Bird Books. It was easily one of my favorites from that year. His latest novel, which is the one we're here to talk about today, is called Tell Me the Truth About Love. I highly recommend it. If you live in the Bay Area, which is where Eric is, uh, you can pick up a copy at Books, Inc., or Pegasus. For our LA listeners, as always, check out Book Soup or Skylight Books. And then if you're in my hometown of Salt Lake City, Weller Works is a great place, uh, located right in downtown Salt Lake at Trolley Square. Okay, so let's jump right into it. Eric was a blast to talk to, and I hope we get him back on the show at some point in the future. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Well, I'm here now with Eric Tarloff. Very excited to have him on the podcast. I interviewed him a couple of years back uh, when his book, The Woman in Black, came out. And I love that book. Absolutely. Um, but now we're here to talk about his brand new novel, Tell Me the Truth About Love. Eric, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It's my pleasure. I'm delighted to be here. Thank well, you. Absolutely. So I, I did. I It's nice because I just finished the book um, a few days back. So it's fresh in my mind. Um, so I have a few questions. I don't want to give any spoilers, but, um, I, I guess one thing that I thought was so amazing, and then maybe you could tell us a, a bit about maybe, uh, the, the plot of the book, the genesis of the book, uh, it really, uh, focused on the behind the scenes world of, of opera, which I knew nothing about. So that was, uh, it's a novel, but it felt so real behind the scenes in that world. Um, kind of the high stakes, the constant, uh, focusing on raising money. I, I just was so fascinated by all of that. So um, are, have you always had an interest in opera? Is this a world that you've been familiar with or is this something new for the book? It's a complicated question, which I will try to answer. First of all, I want to say something because my wife and I have a little argument about the role of opera in the book. She thinks it's central. And I think it's what Hitchcock used to call a MacGuffin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hitchcock said the MacGuffin is the thing the spies care about and the audience doesn't. And uh, if you think, think of North by Northwest, for example, do you know what James Mason was up to in that movie? Nobody does. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't. I don't do think you? Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock couldn't tell you what he was up to. It didn't <laughs> matter. 
that's the MacGuffin. Whatever he was up to is the MacGuffin. <laughs> to me, opera is the MacGuffin in this book. The characters care about it. I don't think the audience, the reader, needs to care about it. I mean, right. not a whole lot of pages are not devoted to opera. Very few pages are devoted to opera. Um, I'm not a lifelong opera fan. I'm a music lover, but opera is, has uh, occupied a fairly peripheral place in my musical life. I don't think it works as drama. And if it doesn't work as drama, I don't know what the point is. There, I mean, there are a handful of operas I love, and mostly I don't love them. Um, <laughs> I did an article maybe 25 years ago uh, for a magazine about the creation of an opera. And I learned something about how that process works. Um, and it seemed to me it played into, in some ways, if you did it from the point of view of the director of development, the person who has to raise money, not somebody on the artistic side, mm -hmm. somebody whose job is to raise money. And he's, he's a secondary character to almost every creative person, but he thinks of himself, of course, as the most important person because it's his life. And that's the sort of thing that interested me. The, the idea that this sort of ostensibly beta person who is probably more intelligent than most of the alphas around, <laughs> including an alpha bully that he has to deal with regularly. That struck me as dramatically very promising. So that I would say that would be the, the origin of it. And then, um, so, uh, what the, so the main character, Toby, uh, one thing I loved right, right off the bat, and then you see it play throughout um, the entire book, is he, he's not really intimidated by so he, he he's ra he's raising the money for the opera he that's his job and he's not intimidated by this extreme level of wealth that he has to deal with that he has almost a disdain for the, for the wealth at that he, level he works he works up a kind of disdain in order to be able to function <laughs> i love that and then um i think it's like a and then i i don't know if it was him or, or his friend that says something about it in the book how the you know you have these people who kind of work uh, with directly with the extremely wealthy. Um, and sometimes they delude themselves into thinking that they're one of them, but the rich will always find a way to remind you Let <laughs> very, know very sharply. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, one of the other things that occurred to me, I don't, this may be too discursive to go into at length, but four of my five books in some ways are variations on, in fact, an opera, The Marriage of Figaro which is about a servant who's at the mercy of his employer who abuses him and tries to take advantage of him. And it actually goes back to Beaumarchais because those operas are based on plays by Beaumarchais. And in turn, I think are based in some ways on the, on, on the Renaissance uh, Commedia dell'arte of Harlequin, Harlequino. And in some ways my character is Harlequin. That is, he has to be shrewd enough to deal with these people who have all the power in every interaction. And yet he has to find a way to negotiate or maneuver around them so as to preserve his own dignity and sanity. And I think that is part of what the dynamic of the book is. Yeah. Well, one thing I really loved about it was um, the, the character is just a little older than me in the book. So uh, it, it just felt true to home for like someone in their early mid forties um, who's kind of, you know, they're still, they're not old, but they're not young and they're kind of in this, um, point in life where they may have um you know given up on on things like the like idealizing love and and things like that so he kind of he gets hit with a ton of bricks falls in love 
Um, and it, probably for the first time in his life, I think. Right, that's, that's exactly. So yeah. he he's he's divorced, but this is like you said, probably the first time in his life. So it did kind of bring me back to being like the, when you're a teenager, those those feelings, and it was kind of cool seeing someone uh, that that character of that age kind of experiencing that really for the it sounds like the first time. Yeah, um, I wanted it to be a kind of grown up love story. I mean, love story when you're past adolescent hormonal passion and you're actually. <laughs> You've got a different kind of passion, but it, it's still very passionate and it's still very sexual. But yeah. it, it's it's not like you're driven by your gonads anymore. You're driven <laughs> by some, by your soul. <laughs> it still gets you into bed. It, <laughs> I love I loved it. Yeah. So that was like that I really loved. Um, and just like you know, like his friend, and then his, and then his daughter is is you know becoming she's turning eighteen. She's becoming an adult. So. It, He's, you know, not only is he experiencing things, but the people around him um, are all all different levels experiencing this, you know, love that's kind of uh, like one, like the friend said, love is just self-hypnosis, which is one of my favorite lines in the book. Um, I don't know if I really have a question here. It was just something I really enjoyed about the book, seeing all these well, different stories. In a way, the, the idea of the book, and it used in one of the earlier drafts, it opened with that sentence, love is just self-hypnosis. <laughs> And I finally thought it was distorting the entire structure of the book, but I still, I wish I could have started with that sentence. Um, in a way, the whole book is a refutation of that idea. It sort of says, no, it isn't. It's something far more profound than that. And, and in another way, it's not just a love story between uh, Toby and Amy, I mean, the main lovers in the book, but it's really a love story between Toby and almost everybody else in his life. He fall, he re-falls in love with almost everybody in his life. I mean, he discovers his feelings for his ex-wife and that relationship has been very content contentious. He realizes he loves his best friend. He realizes he gets very close to his daughter from whom he was kind of estranged. Um, so in, in a way, that's why, it's, that's why I take as my epigraph that those lines from W and the title from W.H. Auden, um, will it alter my life altogether? Well, love actually alters his life altogether. Yeah, I, I I I love that it was it was just such a um great kind of like it was like he he you got to toughen up in some respects. I think that that happens to so many of us where um life can be can kick you in the ass so much that you you kind of become numb in in certain respects just for self preservation. Uh, that's very a very shrewd observation. I think that's true of him. For whatever reason, he basically has cut himself off from deep emotions while becoming very suave. I mean, he's smooth in every, in every interaction, but it doesn't seem to touch him all that much. Right. And in this book, we, we pierce that carapace and uh, get to the person with him. Yeah, I, I just thought, yeah, I thought that was so great. Um, maybe we could talk about process. Uh, so this is, uh, this is the second book I've read of yours. And um, The Woman in Black was one of my favorites of that year uh, that came out. Right. And a very different book. But, um, you know, it was an oral biography uh, about an actor, and I just thought it was wonderfully done. Um, I, I would like to ask you about process. I believe this is your, your fifth novel. It is, yeah. Um, so I, I'm that, just curious. They're all, by the way, they're all very different from one another. I don't think most people would say, oh, those are all by the same person. Right. So I'm curious about that. So um, is, is there a, a process that you've kind of... Um, honed in on or is it every project it's like you're starting completely from scratch as far as how you approach it 
Um, I'd love to hear about this that, process or any of any other other books well, you've worked on. That's a very shrewd question. Uh, in a way, you acquire craft as you as your career develops, so that you have the wherewithal to sort of accomplish some of what you're aiming for. But you do have to start anew if you're going to be true to the material. You can't just rely on old habits or old tricks. You have to say what is demanded by this new material. I mean, somebody once asked Aaron Copeland why some of his music was so harsh and discordant and some of it was so mellifluous and attractive. And he said, well, it depends on what the opening idea is. That dictates what your style is. And um, I think that's true for writing too, or ought to be. You don't want to just, I mean, Norman Mailer once said, I didn't want to write The Naked and the Dead Go to Japan as my second novel. <laughs> you want to do something different. So uh, that that sort of demands that you recreate a technique each time you start a book. Very interesting. I, um, I'm trying to, I don't have the date right here, but maybe, maybe because the pandemic kind of like collapsed time for me and so many <laughs> for others. All, for all I, of us. For yeah. all of us. I felt like I, I read The Woman in Black not too long ago, ago, but I mean, it was definitely before the pandemic. Um, so, I mean, even if that that's the case, it feels like, uh, you know, a lot of people who write novels, it takes them, you know, years and years and years uh, before they can put something else out. So this, to me, to me, this is a rel relatively um, quick to turn out another great book. Um, well, I, I'll tell you, the wouldn't have, well, well, first of all, this one actually took me over 20 years. Oh, wow. Because uh, I kept doing, I kept revising it. I, and there, a couple of novels intervened, but every once in a while I would pick it up and look at it and make some changes and so on until finally I think I got it right but it it, it, it took a long time and I, I there have been a lot of changes in the course of that process it wow. used to take place in, in New York for example now it takes place in San Francisco there are fewer characters all sorts of things have changed along the way oh, including that's... things like political references because they're all right right <laughs> Uh, well, that that's cool. It gives me, you know, that gives me hope. I've I've worked on a book for uh, four years now, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is taking me too long. But I mean, I, I guess in some respects, you can't rush it. You want to keep working on it, but you can't force it. Um, it's it's probably good to do a little something every day, just mm -hmm. so that you haven't you haven't sort of absented yourself from the material. But you don't want to sort of force yourself to do work when there's no work there to be done. That'll produce really bad work. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe I could ask you about that because I, I know some writers, they have like a, and maybe you just kind of answered it, but I, I'd love to hear specifics. Um, some writers have a specific like word count that they, um, that what, they want to hit. I, that's what I have. I yeah. have a minimum. I can't stop for the day until I've hit the minimum, which is a very modest minimum. I can do much more and often do, uh -huh. but I can't do less. I can't say my day is done until I've done that minimum. Until you've hit that. And I'm not going to, and I'm not going to tell you what the minimum is because it's so much. <laughs> but actually, well, to go back to your question about I, about how long it takes, the most interesting example of this was actually the woman in black. I first had the idea for that, I think, in like 1981. Wow. And I couldn't figure out how to tell it. So much of that novel was based on the sort of protean nature of the protagonist. Everybody sees him differently, and I couldn't figure out how to incorporate that into a, into a narrative. And then one day, and it was not that long ago, I was just sitting daydreaming. At, I told my wife I was working, but I was daydreaming. 
And my eye fell on Gene Stein's book about LA, about Hollywood. Uh, I can't even remember the title now, but it's an oral history. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was like, it was one of those moments like a light bulb went on. I can do this as an oral history. And that's how the woman in black finally, after I think over 30, maybe close to 40 years of gestating. Oh, and wow. then I wrote it very, wrote it very quickly after that. It, it went uh, maybe eight or nine months. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, wow. That, that's so cool that I love the idea of like um, having the ability to be so fluid where you have these ideas are there and then they kind of overlap and then something new comes in. I love that approach mm -hmm. to working. That just makes so much um, sense because I, I think maybe, maybe cause I am, I am a, a newer writer so it's like the being rigid and it's like i have to do this and then i can't think of anything else until i get this done um and it i don't it, it does feel kind of constricting so i love that's encouraging for me to hear um mm -hmm. that 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 way that you you work very cool um oh i did want to ask so uh, i noticed you went to school uh uc berkeley and is this where did you grow up in this area i know the, the book this book takes place in um, San Francisco. Right. Yeah. And there two books ago, there's one book that takes place in Berkeley. But no, I grew up for the first 10 or 11 years of my life in L.A. My father was a screenwriter mm -hmm. and he was blacklisted. So he couldn't work in Hollywood anymore. So we moved to London and I spent my entire adolescence in London. And then wow. moved back to America. Wow. That's, I, I, did, I didn't know that. That's, a, that's incredible. So this is during like the like McCarthy era, era McCarthy era. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow that I mean from what I've read that just impacted so many people and um I mean I don't mean to go too off in that direction but I am really curious about um moving to London was was he just fed up with the whole thing I know some screenwriters went under different names at that point he did do that a bit and he was sort of he was working under a under a, a pseudonym um but he wasn't working in movies, which is what he wanted to do. He was right, doing episodic TV, and he had as much work as he could handle after a certain period of total quiescence. But he wanted to write movies, so the whole family schlepped to London, and we were there for, I don't know, six or seven years. And then the first movie he wrote that actually had his name on it, uh, he won an Academy Award for it. So oh then we moved, back. we moved back to America, and I was off to college, so it's a whole separate Wow. Thing for That's incredible. And then you, I mean... Uh, you started out screenwriting as well. Yeah, I, I always wanted to write novels. That was always my passion. But they paid me to write screenplays. So it was impossible. <laughs> Can you beat you know, that, right? You're 19, 20, 21, and they're suddenly giving you money. It's very hard to argue. So I did that for quite some time. How did you um, get into that at that young of an age? Well, my father, you know, I grew up with these people who, right. were, who had were the producers and the writers. So they sort of knew my name and you know, often they knew me. So that got me in the door and then I could pitch stories. If they liked them, they'd buy them. Um, very cool. So, but, but you've always wanted to write novels. So that was always kind of. Yes. Uh, I, I, there. I much more enjoyed reading novels than going to the movies. Although yeah. God knows like everybody else, I went to a lot of movies, but I got more out of writing, reading good fiction. Right. Um, wow. That's, that's so incredible. So I know like I was just looking over your filmography and Oh my gosh! Like a lot of these, um, these TV shows were were shows that I they're a little before my time, but they I remember growing up watching them on like Nick at Night, and um, so like you know, for the for our audience like uh, Mash, All in the Family, the Bob New, 
Hart show, the Jeffersons. So, um, I, 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 you know, I'm, I am really curious about that, the, the stress and kind of the pressure of producing episodic TV or working for a big studio, um, writing a screenplay. How do you continue loving, right? And I've talked to many people who've worked in Hollywood and, you know, some people love it and some people it like, it almost dries up their creative, um, well to work on projects that they want to work on they want to write novels they want to write their own movies or whatever and um the you know at i guess it all depends on what kind of work you're 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 doing for a living but i i am curious you seems like you worked quite a bit during this time period um yeah was uh were you able to write your own stuff on the side or were you pretty busy with um with pretty busy pretty busy i yeah i most of the i mean i did wrote a couple of novels that were not published during that period but uh it was hard to fit that in because if i wasn't working on on tv i was trying to get work on tv right <laughs> um i mean i'll tell you the interesting thing about the nick at night for example uh once i was in new orleans for a friend's birthday and i had gone out to dinner my wife had stayed at the hotel and when i got back she was asleep but the tv was on on nick at night and there was the end of a Dick Van Dyke show, which my father had written under his pseudonym. Oh, wow. Immediately followed by a Bob Newhart show I have written. <laughs> Decades later. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it, it was like uh, a time machine. You know? it was very <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Uh, oh, I love the Dick Van Dyke show. That, is, that show is one of those that holds up, you know, even to oh, today. Absolutely. It's just incredible. Absolutely. Incredible. <laughs> Uh, so, so now, so you've written, you, you know, you've the fifth book. Um, I'm just trying to put the timeline together here. So you, you worked in the, in the seventies and eighties on a lot of TV yeah, and movies and yeah. movies. Um, and then was it, did you get to a point where you just wanted to focus solely on the, on the novel, um, and, and work on your own projects? Well, because my wife's was an academic we actually moved to the boston area she was teaching at harvard business school it'd be i still got some hollywood work but it became harder i mean i'd have to fly to la so i wrote a novel then and that sort of started the process it, re it reawakened that sort of hunger for writing fiction and that passion for writing fiction and that turned into my second it was actually published after my first but that was uh, called the man who wrote the book great and then and I know at least the, the last two books are on Rare Bird books, which are, you know, that's one of my favorite publishers. I, I always enjoy reading books that come um, out of out of Rare Bird. How did you get hooked up with Tyson and and um, and that? my agent? I mean, nothing mysterious about it. Yeah, my agent—they want your book, but I said, okay, they kind of like. That's great. No, they're such a fascinating. Um, you know, T Tyson's so interesting, and uh, just the, the you know the the different people like from all walks of life. That's what just impresses me. You know, people who, who have written so much people who have never written like art books, a lot of like musicians. It's just a really eclectic right. group. They, they've um, apparently got all the unpublished Kerouac material. Do they really? To publish. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. And they published a guy who had been in jail for murder for, for, for years. I mean, it's amazing actually the, uh, yeah. the list. Yeah, I'm just, I, you know, when I found them a few years back, I just fell in love with them. And I've always been um, off and on. I come back to them and read a bunch of their books. But I've always, I've mm -hmm. always enjoyed their stuff. I think they put out such high quality stuff. Um, 
you know, books and art and, and, and then not to mention, like, I remember, so you, the cover of your, of the new book is, is awesome. I remember you posted a couple mock-ups of the um, earlier versions, uh, <laughs> which I thought were great. This one, when I saw the final thing, I can't wait to see the actual hard copy in my hands, but um, I just love, uh, you know, the pink background and then uh, the, pink, the pink was my idea. I, oh, I love it. <laughs> it was, it was totally white. And my wife said, I thought it was all right, but my wife said, it looks grim. And your book is not grim. It's a fun book. You need something to lighten it up. So I wrote to Tyson. I said, could you add pink and maybe blue? Just give it some color. He said, sure. <laughs> That's how we ended up with this cover. No, it looks great. Um, yeah, I was, I was just wondering, cause it seemed like that was a quick, turn around when um you had posted the 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 initial one and then this one yeah, so, yeah. um i think that's so cool I, i'm always curious too about um you know authors and, and their input with uh, with the cover you know i mean I, I mean for me like i still covers grab my attention more than anything i think mm. uh it, it, re it really you know well i should say tyson has turned down both of my ideas for, for both for both the two books they published he said oh yeah that's great and then i knew i could tell from his tone it was never gonna happen you're just being nice right yeah you know shine on the writer i mean for the woman in black i wanted to i thought a shot from behind the hollywood sign mm. would have been very sort of symbolic about what the book was about in a way you were getting behind the sort of glamour of the Hollywood, but for whatever reason, that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, well, it seems like you're doing some events now. I noticed, um, I saw online, uh, it, it's nice that the last bit there's been, we've been able to have some in-person, um, events where everything was, you know, just, if, if anything, there was online events, which, you know, were, were nice in some respects, like someone like me who lives in Salt Lake city, I can, I could pop onto a call and that, that was really cool for me, but uh, it's great to see live events coming back. And uh, you just had one recently, correct? Yes. Uh, well, there was one, there's one tomorrow, Okay. but there was also uh, one like two days ago and one a few days before that. And there was a party in LA um, and we're going, there's going to be two parties in Washington, DC, actually. Uh, Michael Beschloss and Kate Lehrer are giving me a book party in DC. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how these sounds things fun. happen. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds fun. Um, it, it seems like you're very humble. Like you, you, maybe you don't want the, you don't want all the attention, but. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I like it and I hate it at the same time, the way most people are. So. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> Great. Um, oh, I did want to ask like, um, and this is just kind of off topic here, but. So you live it. You live in the Bay Area now. You live in or okay. In Berkeley. Are there any bookstores that you um, that you love that you would like people if they were to pick up a copy and they're in your area? Uh, hmm. Where would you recommend people to go find your book? Well, in the Bay Area, uh, there are there's a store called Books Inc. I think they have two different uh, outlets, and it, it's a superb bookstore. Um, uh, there's Pegasus, which is also a very good bookstore. And the event I'm doing tomorrow is at a bookstore called Book Passage. It's in Marin County. It's a beautiful bookstore. Okay, I'll make in it up. Yeah, I'll make it up. Okay, that. great. In LA, I think Book Soup is a, a wonderful 
bookstore. I love Booksoup. Yeah, a great place. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Booksoup and Skylight are my favorites when I whenever I'm able to get down there. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's great. Uh, well, let's go back to the book a bit. I know we I kind of jumped ahead, and but I would like to talk more um, as much because I don't know if we really told the, the audience like. You know, we have we have this guy Toby, and and you know he kind of falls in love for the first time. He's in his forties. Um, he works for the opera. No, he um, does fall in love most inappropriately. I think it's important <laughs> to say that without necessarily spoiling the plot too much. Well, uh, what, what can you tell us about the book? I don't I don't want to say anything because I don't want to uh, I don't want to misstep and give something away. But what can you tell us for those who are uh, curious about it and maybe like what's the story about or what's the hook that we can kind of sink our teeth into right. and, and jump in? I'll give a, I guess I'll have to give a little away when you ask the, <laughs> the question that way. Uh, Toby is trying to get a very large contribution from a billionaire real estate developer who's a bit of a son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> although he has some redeeming qualities, but he's a bit of a son of a bitch. And um, he's married, but like many very wealthy men, men he has a mistress. And she's a, a woman, she's a fairly considerable woman. She's not just sort of a bimbo. She's a businesswoman. She's very successful. She's very smart. Um, she's not sort of flashy. And she's the woman Toby falls in love with. And they start this torrid affair, which, of course, if it's discovered, will not only sink the opera that Toby's trying to fund, but it will end his career. And God knows what other disasters would, would follow. So that, that's the sort of central uh, conflict in, in the book. Uh, yeah, very high stakes. I think um, I I mentioned him a couple of times. I've, I, his name slips my mind, but Toby's best friend. Um, Jonas. Jonas. Jonas yeah. So that relationship in the book, I just, I, I love that. And I look forward to parts um, yeah. with those two interacting and just kind of uh, how it, it took a while for their friendship. Cause they, he was a, he's a musician. Um, at the opera and how it took a while for them to become friends or from very different walks of life. Um, but I loved how, uh, and Jonas how... is gay and, and Toby is straight. So that's something that they had to not so much get past, but just realize they could still talk as equals, you know, right. They're from they different... were, their worlds were so different. Right. That they had to realize how much in fact they had in common. And I love, I love seeing that, like that friendship, uh, you know, 40 something, year old man and, and just like the you know how important a friend a good friendship is and you know everyone has some weak moments some bad like really horrible things happen and you need someone and and it happened in both ways between both of the both of the men That's exactly the right book. yeah so it was great to see them um supporting each other and not to mention he was hilarious like he had he had some great <laughs> great lines throughout the <laughs> book like, you know I, in a way the people who are funny with Toby and with whom Toby is funny are the people with whom he's most closely uh, 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 allied. Mm -hmm. And I think of his relationship with with, uh, Amy, which begins with banter and it it sort of never stops. I think of that as being sort of like when Fred and Ginger dance. You know, it's a a kind of mating ritual because they're so on the same wavelength when they talk. Yeah, I love that. No, the, I mean just the the back and forth and like the uh, the the immediate connection that that those two had. I mean, it was um, you know it was a, it was a 
great setup to like anticipate that something something is going to happen i don't know what but these two yeah. something's going to happen between these two i'm not sure um but it's going to be interesting and um and it was and i think um oh one thing so i'm a high school teacher and i did oh. i did really enjoy his toby's daughter that that perspective <laughs> because i um that was i mean that was I, i'm not going to say anything to spoil that but i feel like you really captured that age Oh, good. Uh, 17, 18 year old, um, you know, finishing up high school, about to move on to the next, um, you know, chapter of their life uh, and how they're without giving any without giving anything away. I will say that is, I think, the most controversial part of the book. So I yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah. I was when I was reading it. Yeah. Jaw kind of opened like, oh, my gosh, what's, <laughs> this is insane. But it was so captivating. Um, and yeah it was believable and it was scary oh, good that's yeah if, it, if if i made it seem credible then yeah then i did my job it's a tough age to to um write about i've i've i'm um beta reading someone's book right now um and she she wants me to read like the it, it's about um these people in high these kids in high school um and she you know she's been out of high school for i think she's about 30 years old the the writer so she's asking me is this is this anything like what, what it's like now and I'm like well i'm not the expert i mean i'm around them all day so i guess i might have some insight but it's just it's a tough um age to tackle and to and to do it well so i think like Particularly i, I was very because, impressed thank well i'm glad uh the daughter is in transition and we see her go from thoroughly adolescent to almost mature <laughs> i mean I, I think i wanted to trace trace that sort of that line of development um in that character so she starts out one sort of person and you can see she's becoming a different sort of person by by the end of the book i think right definitely i, I mean I, I i just felt for toby so much he just i just felt tired <laughs> for him so many yeah. times like the way he yeah. was having to run around he'd be uh, you know, his girlfriend's house and he'd have to leave in the middle of the night and then here and then he was like working and he has this family and he has, uh, you know, uh, there's just so much going on. I was, I was one of the way, <laughs> one of the ways I've described what happens. I said, he's imperturbable at the beginning. He's the kind of imperturbable. And then I start perturbing him and I keep perturbing. Him. I perturb the crap out of him until finally we, we get beneath the carapace. So that, that was the strategy. And, uh, well, no, I, like I said, I, I I just finished it a few days ago. Uh, absolutely loved it. It was it was just such an enjoyable um, book, and it made me it made me think a lot about. And I think any good book does this. Made me think a lot about my life, and and just it it, it just you know it hit on a lot of themes that um, it it was just a refreshing. I can't really put it into words, but it just was, I really enjoyed it at it. And I think it's going to stick with me. I think it's one of those books. It's kind of going to pop up because it has been like every day since I finished it about a week or so. Um, right. It's just kind of like something will pop up and will remind me of a character or something happened, or maybe it's because the guy is close to my age that it, it just, it just kind of hit home. Um, but it, it was just, yeah, it's just such a great book. And I really want people to check it out so we'll make sure we put um links all over the page when we post this and um... do whatever you can <laughs> it, you know the thing about rare bird they're really good publishers but it's very hard for them to get east coast attention so oh wow okay 
Yeah. So anything yeah. you can do would help. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's like um, I'm I'm a fan. Um, I got to go back and read your other three now um, mm-hmm. because I, I've really well, enjoyed, enjoyed these last two. I'm, I'm delighted. I recommend the Berkeley one. Uh, um, all, the, all are yesterdays. All are yesterdays. Okay. That's the one right before, right? Okay, I will mm-hmm. definitely read that one. I mean, I recommend all of them, of course. <laughs> we'll put them all up. <laughs> My mother's no longer with us, so I'm the one who has to recommend. You got, yeah, you got to do mom's <laughs> job, right? <laughs> right. It's a, it's a nasty job that somebody's got. To do. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, where can people find you? Uh, I mean, I know you have a website, EricTarloff.com. Which um, I rarely, rarely visit, but yes, I do. Okay, that's uh, good to and, know because where, where's the best place people can um, can well, find you? There are a lot of blog entries on that, which uh, so if anyone's interested in that, certainly. Um, I'm on Facebook and I'm on uh, Twitter, at least for the time being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think we. Yeah, yeah, to... we're recording this right as um, <laughs> Elon purchase, Elon. so we'll, we'll see <laughs> exactly. what happens there. I'm kind of waiting it. Yeah, kind of keeping an eye on that myself. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the only thing to do. <laughs> Well, great. Yeah. So we'll make sure we'll have all that. Um, anything else you want to say about the book uh, specifically or, or anything else? Um, no, I mean, I hope people will read it. I think obviously for selfish reasons, but I also, I think it's a fun book to read and I think it actually is moving as well as amusing. Yeah, I completely um, agree. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. There are scenes, well, you know, there are scenes which I keep coming back to just in my mind, which isn't true of my other books. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, without going into much detail, there's a big set piece, which is almost like the finale of, a, of an act of a Mozart opera, uh, which is a Republican fundraiser, which <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think I, I had outlined that out. I had planned it out and I didn't, because I write in order, I don't sort of jump ahead. It took me almost a year to get to that point. Mm. And the excitement of writing that scene and thinking this works exactly the way I thought it might <laughs> was, <laughs> was just thrilling. Uh, you know, that's no way a reader can experience that excitement. And it could be none of that is conveyed on the page. I don't mm. know. But the way in which, like putting a jigsaw puzzle together and there's a little, a little, collection of pieces that fit together and you have no idea exactly where they go but you have a sort of vague sense and then you have a more concrete sense. and then when the time comes it just goes click and it fits in perfectly there was that feeling about that particular sequence so that was very gratifying um, oh that's cool um i'll go ahead sorry no i was just gonna say and then there are little moments which again i don't know if readers will have any reaction to them all I, at all i you know there's a scene by the I don't want to give away any plot, so never mind. <laughs> there, are little, there are little moments where they, they speak to me, and I'm not quite sure why. They, none of this is autobiographical, so right. it speaks to me not because I've lived through it. I don't know why they really speak to me, but they, they seem to. Oh, that's um, fascinating. And I, I hope they conveyed to readers as well. Well, no, like I just said, I, it, it stuck with me so far, and I you know usually I finish a book, and I immediately, even the same day, I pick up the next book that I'm that I'm wanting to read or that I'm, that I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to someone about. Um, so usually I'm, my brain is just off into the next thing, but this one has, has stayed with me the last while. And it, I think it's, I love books like that where it kind of percolates and, you know, you come back to it and you remember things and, it, you know, it's the kind of book that you want to revisit at some point you want to read again. So I, I love, 
I love I love books like that, and I feel um, well for me, it, this is definitely one one of those books. Um, I did I did want okay. So you just mentioned I am going back to process a bit. I did I am I am curious uh, how okay. So you, you say you you write in order. Um, do you so with the puzzle piece thing? Do you kind of outline a bit before, or have ideas of scenes, and you kind of put them aside, and then you work? I know the before I start, I know the key moments. I mean, I know the second act curtain. I usually know the first act curtain. I know some of the events that are going to take place. Um, as I get to each thing, I then outline it in much more detail. Each chapter, I would pretty much every every scene in each chapter. I would have a note on before I started writing. Um, but that's just before I would start that chapter. So, I mean, I, the, having written some already, I would be situated in the book, so I would know better what would fit and how to put those key plot points in a kind of correct order and, mm -hmm. uh, and so on. So it, it's a process where first there's a, a sort of very general outline, and then it gets more and more specific as, as the writing proceeds um that that sounds like a, i mean did you kind of work that way when you when you wrote screenplays was that kind of the process you did no because they made you do a very complex outline before <laughs> you started writing it was they could cut you off after the outline if they didn't think the outline worked, they would say you know here's x amount of money for the outline goodbye yeah. so they demanded an outline and i mean with uh, there were tv movies where for some reason, I can't remember why, rather than going in and submitting the outline, I had to actually read it step by step over the phone to oh the gosh. studio executive. <laughs> it took like an hour and a half. And I kept saying, are you following this? Like, do you... <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, just keep going, keep going. I have no idea if you would follow it. But, but so that outlining, which, you know, it's a real pain in the ass. And I, it's the hardest part. Plotting is, I think almost every writer will tell you this, plotting is the hardest part of writing. And having to do it in advance. I used to, when I was a teenager and wrote because, you know, teenagers write because they're moony. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And I used to think the way my father wrote, which was having, you know, an outline or notes, I used to think of it, that's grown up writing. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, I guess I became a grown-up <laughs> writer, and, and writing writing for the screen forces you to do grown-up writing because they won't pay you if you don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, I, I like I said, I just, I'm working on the my first book, and it just I, I've thrown out two whole versions of it, so the characters have remained, but the story has just changed. Oh, really? A couple times, um, and I've and tried. Did you, did, you, did you outline? Did you? So one one. Okay, so one once I did, and I was bored with it, and then the other time I didn't at all, and it was just, I think I made more of a mess than I knew what to do with. I'm like, I need to just get rid of this one too. So yeah. I mean, I I've learned a lot books. from both those. <laughs> well, yeah, but but with the second one, maybe what you learned is not to do it that way, right? Uh, <laughs> maybe a balance I mean, of the two. I don't know. When I read a book, I can uh, a new book, you know, by by a new writer. It's not like he or she is improvising. I can tell mm -hmm. they don't actually know where they're going next. And I don't like that at all. I want to think <laughs> I'm in good hands when I'm yeah. reading a book. Um, and that requires pre preparation and planning, which is really, as you say, boring to do. It's hard to do. <laughs> uh, but, you know, some, some 
some work requires drudgery sure. as well as inspiration. Um, yeah. I've talked to a lot of writers who've said something similar to what you did about um, they may not, they don't have every little thing planned out necessarily. I mean, some do, and that's incredible if they can do that. Uh, but many people that I've really loved their writing, they just have a few key points like that. The, yeah. The, the end of act one, the beginning of act two, different main points. And then that's the kind of like their skeletal outline. Um, and then I don't they, know. Uh, I don't know. I have a story until I have the act, second act curtain. That's, uh, the, that's sort of the crucial plot point for me. Uh, but that doesn't mean everything that comes before is easy because it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm always fascinated how people, you know, if, if they're willing to talk about it, just kind of how they, their, their process of it, because it is, you know, it's different for everyone. Um, and, you know, it, it's, uh, it's challenging for everyone, no matter how long people have done it. It, so it ab absolutely is. That never gets easy. I, you know, in a way, one of the most brilliant bit of pieces of plotting I know of is the movie. Um, oh, God, my brain's. Uh, which, what is the day when it tells you whether whether it's going to be a long winter or not? There's an animal. Oh, Groundhog's Ground Ground Day. Groundhog yeah. Day. Yeah. I mean, that everything takes place on one in one day over and over, and yet it, there's a three act structure. I yeah. mean, that is so skillfully done. I, I really am in awe of that writing. I think it was great. I'll have to rewatch that. It's been a while, but yeah. Um, no, that's yeah. Well, it's, it's impressive. I mean, if, if you, you know, if any, really, if anyone can write a book and it holds someone's attention, <laughs> you know, I, I talked to an, a writer a while back and he, I was just complimenting on his, you know, and he's like, well, probably no, you know, I think he's like, I think a lot of people probably have my book on their shelf, but they've never read it. They never finished it. So yeah, I'm like, geez, that's depressing. But yeah. <laughs> I think he was just being modest, but um, I think, well, I you know, <laughs> I had an agent who once said, it's much easier to write a book than to sell one. <laughs> I thought, up yours. <laughs> had he tried writing a book, I'd probably... <laughs> he did, yeah. It wasn't good. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, Eric, anything else you want to add? I think we... Um, I really enjoyed talking to you today, and I, I can't this wait. This was fun. I'm, I'm really delighted that we did this. Um, Absolutely. And I... I look forward to, um, I know this one just came out, so I'm not, no pressure, but the next, the, the next book, when that comes out, I'd love to have you back on it. <laughs> you don't mind. We'll put that aside. Right. But if, you're <laughs> yes, welcome back read, the, read, the, read the older ones. They're already there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, great. Yeah. So I'll put links where you can find Eric Tarloff and his work and, and maybe some events that are um, coming up soon. Um, Eric, thank you so much for joining me. This was a blast. All right. Thank you, Kyle. I really enjoyed it. Thank you okay. so much. Yep. Take okay. care.